1: From the Milton Metz Studio in the Radio TV building at Indiana University, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm here today with co-host Sarah Whitmire, and we have three guests joining us today. Patrick Martin is a Senior Transportation Planner with the City of Bloomington. Mallory Rickbile is a the Bicycle and Pedestrian Coordinator for the City of Bloomington. And Steve Volan is joining us by phone. He's a Bloomington City Council member. Our topic today is transportation. Bloomington residents have seen the transportation landscape change over the years, including building of a downtown transit hub and the addition of scooters. But now the focus of many residents and policymakers is on the future, and we're going to talk about a couple of the big programs that are going on right now to uh, try to gauge how our transportation is going to go in Bloomington and, in some degree, the rest of Monroe County uh, for the next several years. So if you have questions or comments, you can give us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348 and follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So I want to just uh, welcome you all to the program. Thank you for being here. I'm going to start out by asking Patrick Martin, the senior transportation planner with the city, about uh, the initiative called the Transportation Improvement Program, and I know you're very involved with that. Um, I know we're, we're actually at a point now where people can comment on that. Can you just give us an overview of what that is?
2: Sure. We have a current transportation improvement program. This is a set of capital projects for Monroe County, Ellettsville, Rural Transit, IU Campus Bus, Bloomington Transit, also the Indiana Department of Transportation. Current program is uh, fiscal year 2018-2021. We're now undergoing comments on a draft new program. The new program is the fiscal year 2020-2024 program. We're going from four years to five years. Um, And we've initiated a call for projects In November of last year, received all the applications in December, sorted through the projects, uh, presented all of those to the technical committee, the citizens' advisory committee, and the policy committee. And we have submitted a draft document for review with the Indiana Department of Transportation and Federal Transit Administration.
1: So if people see in the newspaper something about the, the TIP or they hear Sarah and her reporters talking about the TIP, that's what this is, the Transportation Improvement. Program Correct. Right? Okay. And then there's the Bloomington Transportation Plan, and and Mallory, you're really involved in that. So give us, what's the difference, and give us a sense of that.
3: Yeah, so this is the plan that uh, the city has put together um, stemming forth from the comprehensive plan. And this plan recognizes that we have this hunger for walking and biking and more connectivity in our city, and it basically lays out how we can accomplish that.
1: Okay, and Steve Volin, you are involved in both of them and everything that has to do with the city of Bloomington, being a city council member. So, you know what? Talk uh, if you could talk about you know where, what direction these plans seem to be going and, and what you hope they accomplish.
4: Well, I think we should make a distinction between the two. The tip and Pat can correct me if I'm wrong. Is more of a, a regional thing that uh, several governments are involved there. Um, the when the city and the state were arguing over I-69, the city had to put, uh, agree to put money or to put the highway into the tip so that it could be funded by the state or the federal government wouldn't send money to the state. So that's something that's sort of, I don't want to say above my pay grade, but uh, it's something that uh, sort of handles uh, regional transportation. But the transportation plan is sort of the uh, successor to several previous plans we had we used to have a master thoroughfare plan that just talked about how we would design streets and we had this used to be a mouthful it was the alternative transportation and greenways plan that talked about uh, you know bike paths and trails and I think one thing we're trying to do is fuse them into one big plan because they're all part of the same thing they're all about mobility they're all about moving, how people can move around the city. And uh, the city council has a lot more. Uh, the city council will approve that transportation plan, and it will be considered a part of the overall comprehensive plan for the city.
1: Okay.
5: So this the, the tip and, and I guess the, the city transportation plan, are these... I guess I'm just a little bit confused. Are these in addition to what the city and the county and the state are already doing in terms of road repairs and maintenance and new projects?
2: The Transportation Improvement Program is a federally funded program. Uh Uh, This is a requirement from the U.S. Department of Transportation, Federal Highway Administration, Federal Transit Administration. So... If you, if and, and this is what what funds Bloomington Transit, rural transit, uh, all of the major capital improvements by the city of Bloomington and also by Monroe County. So it's it's distinctly different from the city of Bloomington's plan, in that ours is a federally mandated process and a prescribed process that, that we're we're required to follow.
1: Uh, so I have another question about all these initials because how does the – or does the MPO, which is a metropolitan planning organization, Correct. how does that interact with the TIP?
2: Well, the staff for the metropolitan planning organization prepares the TIP for the Citizens Advisory Committee, the Technical Advisory Committee, and the Policy Committee. So we, First, we prepare it present it to the two two committees, the Citizens Advisory Technical Committee. We present them on the same day of every month. And then we present that uh, usually two weeks later to the Policy Committee and the Policy Committee. They're the body that actually makes the decisions. And they are what I would call the MPO. They're the real MPO. And they're made up of multi-jurisdictional representatives.
1: The, but the, with all, the, all these acronyms and, and the, plan, the committees and everything, the, the, the main idea is we're trying to figure out how we're going to get people from point A to point B in various, with various modes of transportation for the next, next year and the next five years and the next 40 years. Forty, 40, years. <laughs> 40 years. Forty years. <laughs>
5: Okay, so maybe you can just talk a little bit, Mallory, about alternative forms of transportation, and really, what is the vision here? What is, What are you hoping to achieve in this plan?
3: Right. Well, um, so my expertise being in, um, you know, bicycle and pedestrian, I'm looking at ways that we can use the resources that we have to make the environment for cyclists in Bloomington as safe and comfortable and desirable as possible so that we are meeting the needs of the... There's Okay, so there's this saying that 60% of people are interested in biking to work or are interested in engaging in this behavior, but um, they have concerns and so they don't do it. And my, I see that as an opportunity to meet that need and to create a culture where those Behaviors are allowed to happen. So my my background is in health policy and and behavioral health, and so um, so th- taking that into account, we're looking at okay, what do where are the roads in Bloomington, and how are they how are they, and how are they not meeting the needs of people who want to bike, people who aren't fearless on the road, people who you know, would like to, you know, pay less in gasoline and not pay for parking and be able to get more exercise in their daily life, um, but they, um, you know, for whatever reason they feel like doing so would would cause them injury. And so this is how we're going to kind of be able to meet that need.
1: We have a, a phone call uh, already. We've got a couple phone calls oh, already, so we wow. are going to go first to the phone and stand who has a question about downtown. Stan?
6: Yeah, uh,
7: I, I have a great curiosity about the proliferation of bikes and scooters. It seems to me that uh, a city, uh, some of the European cities and a few American cities, make downtown walking a, a, a uh, preference over individual transportation needs. It, it seems to me that the direction we should be going on would be to provide more comfort for people walking and, and less use of individual transportation means that crowd the city crosswalks and the city sidewalks, for
4: that matter.
1: I ask uh, we've Steve, got openings
4: yeah. on city commissions, and I want to get that man onto a city commission <laughs> right now. <laughs> we need more people thinking like him.
1: Maller,
3: Um, I was just um, just for clarification. um, Individual transportation meet. Can you just um, expand on that for me?
1: Are you speaking to me? Yeah. Yeah, Stan.
7: Oh yes. Uh, It it seems to me when you when you look at uh, vibrant cities, especially in Europe, for example, uh, sidewalk cafe seating is a pleasure. Mm. Uh, But it, it certainly wouldn't be true of our downtown. Uh, if, if these bicycles and scooters continue to proliferate. And in, in addition, as I say, the safety of the pedestrian and the convenience for the pedestrian it seems mm-hmm. to me should, should have a stronger pool for planning purposes for the long haul than individual transportation by bicycle or scooters. Uh, I can understand the need to expand ease of transportation by vehicles through the city but I don't think that's the way to aim uh, for the long-term downtown.
1: Thanks, Dan. We'll get some comments from, I think, all three of our, our of our panelists want to make you. a comment. Thank uh-huh. you. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to chime Steve, in and say
4: for, yeah. um, he's absolutely right. Uh, the one thing I want to caution people is if anybody's ever been concerned about bicyclists or scooters on the sidewalks, we have to ask the question, well, why would they want to be on the sidewalk? And the answer is because they, too, are intimidated by automobiles, which are much larger than them. And if we can do something to reduce the speed uh, at which automobiles travel on streets, they, then bicycles and scooters will feel safer going on the street, and the sidewalk can be saved for pedestrians and for the activities that do best on sidewalks, like cafes, which we could stand to have a whole lot more of. So in, in that respect, I, I completely
2: agree with him. Mm-hmm.
1: Mallory, anything else you want to
3: add? No, I, right. I okay. don't think I could say it any better.
1: Okay. Patrick, any?
2: No, no, I agree, too. Uh, the only thing that I would want to add is that uh, with the businesses, uh, they have to have commercial service to for deliveries. I mean, for their supplies and food and all of that, and then you have to make an accommodation for that, and that may not be on the main thoroughfare. That may be in a back alley or something else, but still. You you have to accommodate those needs, too.
5: That's a question that I know we have gotten before in our newsroom is just the width of roads in Bloomington mm. and when you're trying to move all these city buses. So I'm just wondering mm. if we're talking about maybe adding more bike lanes. How do we do that and still accommodate the traffic and the buses so that we're not on top of each other?
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. That's this is really what it all boils down to is so we have this defined amount of space. And so, you know, College and Walnut, we have three lanes. And so, and I believe they're 11 feet, 10 feet. We we went out and we measured them yesterday. 10 to 11. 10 to 11. So what would happen if we made them a little more narrow? And that would allow us to put in a protected bike lane. Um, thus, you know, and, and hopefully the constricting of the lane would reduce the speed, um, but that would inconvenience drivers. You know, it is my job to look at this from the perspective of a bicyclist and a pedestrian and say, this is a fight that's worth having. And this is a conversation that's worth having. Because if we really want a vibrant downtown, it needs to be open and accessible to everyone. Mm
4: -hmm. I would argue that uh, uh, you would not be inconveniencing drivers by making them move a little bit slower. I remember being on Bardstown Road in Louisville and just just, uh, shocked at how narrow the lanes were, but it forced cars to go at 20 miles an hour and Bardstown mm-hmm. Road uh, when it's not uh, rush hour is a really lively, thriving arts district all the way up and down uh, that just never never left my mind. Um, a few years ago I had to demonstrate that the formula for calculating headway between two cars the, according, I mean, because the faster cars go, the more space you need between them hmm. to stop safely. And that number goes up mm-hmm. geometrically with speed. Mm-hmm. So I found that at uh, uh, 35 miles an hour, a, a lane of road can carry 700 cars, but at 25 miles an hour, that same lane of road can carry 850 cars. You know, the, the slower you go, the more traffic you could actually handle. But uh, what the motorists are really inconvenienced by is not being able to go as fast as they would like. But uh, in a beautiful... Uh, active pedestrian downtown, you don't have any incentive for cars to be going fast. They just need to be going, uh, you know, we need to be maximizing throughput, but people tend to equate speed with convenience, mm-hmm. and that's something we also have to get mm-hmm. away from, too.
1: Our phone numbers, again, are 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can join the discussion uh, on Twitter at Noon Edition, we have another phone call, and it's from Daniel. Daniel, go ahead. Hey, everyone.
8: Um, I think it's really important that since we're having this transportation discussion and the planning involved looking 40 years out, we really have to put it in the context of climate change um, and what we need to do to respond to it. You know, the IPCC report came out in October, and the IPCC, being the international body that studies climate change and sort of looks at the research, and takes one of the most conservative views on the research. They declared that Mm -hmm. we need to cut emissions by 45% in 10 years and down to zero um, in 30 years. So if we're planning out for 40 years, we really need to be planning with that in the forefront of our minds and writing a plan um, to hit those targets. And that really means looking at how we can get as many cars off the road as as possible. Um, I was just doing the math on electric cars and life cycle emissions of electric cars uh, it's still 28% of the emissions of a gas car over the lifetime because more emissions are generated in creating the batteries. Mm-hmm. So even if we could switch everyone over to electric cars in the next 10 years, we would hit that 45% goal, but then we're facing diminishing emissions trying to hit the zero target in 30 years. So if we're having this conversation, it really needs to be with that in the forefront of our minds of how do we hit those targets? What does that mean for our transportation infrastructure and for the community?
1: All right. Response, Mallory?
3: I totally agree. I think this is the perfect – I mean, this this is where, you know, sustainability and health and community development, all of these circles are overlapping on this one topic, which, um, you know, I, I do agree. I think that we need to be moving as fast as we can in that direction, and I think that the opportunity is there, and I think that we have the opportunity to build the vibrant city that we want. By helping to um, reach out to people um, electric bikes are on the frontier I just got one a few days ago and I absolutely love it and I think that this makes biking as an activity or or cycling for commuting purposes much more attainable for people who do not think that it is available to them right now and these these um, in innovations in in technology and how we're getting around, we want to be able to support that. Um, but with the values that climate change is real and we need to be aggressively trying to diminish the 30% of emissions that are a result from transportation.
1: I, I have to ask, so, I mean, what kind of um, data has been done on emissions of electric bikes or electric scooters? I mean, what, uh-huh. is, there, is there data that shows that they they create you know uh, 5% of the emissions as other electric or other yeah uh,
3: you know i'm going to say that that like that is not my purview right. um i i remember uh steve do, do you remember seeing that uh study about the scooters when they were coming out uh about how how green are they
4: I mean, I've seen a thing or two, but I think we're kind of missing the point. Whatever fraction they are uh, compared to cars, cars are still I mean, anything we can do to minimize the number of cars, which currently sort of, uh, you know, if you, if, if you have a non-hybrid gas guzzler, uh, it's still providing substantially more pollution than uh, the worst electric vehicle mm. or scooter, um, I mean, the caller is right. We need to find a way to reduce vehicle miles traveled. Um, you know, the the we used to have a growth policies plan that became a comprehensive plan. We used to have a separate document called the Master Thoroughfare Plan. It's becoming a transportation plan that's going to become part of the comprehensive plan. In other words, it's not just about transportation. It's about how we build our city, where we site our buildings, which we ask people to require mobility, uh, I mean, we should be looking for ways to uh, build our buildings so they don't require thinking about a vehicle in the first place. I think that's the direction that the caller was suggesting, and
8: I certainly agree that that's the way we need
1: it. All right. Yeah. We, we have a, uh, Dan, do you have any follow-up?
8: Well, I can actually to speak to a little bit of the question of how efficient electric okay. um, oh. bikes and scooters are anything charged from the grid in Indiana is going to be pretty inefficient. Our, our grid is so heavily powered by coal that if you're driving an electric car by that you're fully charging from the grid and not solar, in Indiana your emissions, according to some studies, are actually going to be worse than if you were driving a gasoline hybrid. Um, so I think with the scooters, what they're doing, the way they're set up right now, they're often displacing trips that would happen by bike or foot, and they're mm-hmm. charged off the grid. So they're probably a lot worse than just – Riding your bike with electric bikes, it's usually electric assist, so it's probably better than the scooters, you know. But Steve's absolutely right; they all pair, pale in comparison to cars, right? Um, I, and everything really needs to be through that lens of like, how do we cut emissions? Mallory, hmm. I,
3: I was, I would, I would just, you know, want to unpack and say that, you know, the, the scooters for me is this is an option that allows people to envision their lives without a car, so they are a useful tool. Um, in this and and so um
2: that's that's what I'm bringing okay to the conversation all right Patrick yeah, my addition to this is that uh, the, the twenty forty me- metropolitan transportation plan we focused in exclusively on what what we call a compact urban form, in other words, taking the existing land use and making sure that there's enough control that we don't lead to sprawl in, in certain cases and the other focus of it too is what i would call adaptive reuse of existing land use taking the land that that may have outlived its current economic purpose and repurposing those and and with the compact urban form and the adaptive reuse of land use then you can keep it into a walkable bikeable type of form and and minimize or reduce vehicle miles traveled.
1: All right. We're going to have to take a short break, and we've got a couple of callers waiting to get on. We've got an email that's been sent in to us. So uh, very uh, interesting topic today. We're talking about transportation for the near and long-term future. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back.
0: From the Milton Metz studio at IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. WFIU News covers south-central Indiana and the state throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIUNews. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live, and you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe now at Mm WFIUNews.org.
1: All right. We can't stop our conversation. We just keep talking about it during the break. You're listening to Noon Edition. We're talking about uh, the Transportation Improvement Program, the Bloomington Transportation Plan, and how we're going to get people moved through um, taking into account climate change. and. All sorts of different issues as we move forward. We have uh, three guests with us. Patrick Martin is a senior transportation planner with the City of Bloomington. Mallory Rickbile is the bicycle and pedestrian coordinator for the City of Bloomington. Steve Volen is on the phone, and he's a Bloomington City Council member. If you want to give us a call, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Noon Edition. We're going to go right to the phones. We have Barb on the phone. Barb? Hi, how are you? Good.
9: I um, just tuned in a little while ago. I'm painting and doing all kinds of fun stuff in the
10: house.
9: <laughs> um, but i got to tell you, I am new to Bloomington. This is the smallest city I've ever lived in in my life. I, I lived in Chicago, Washington, D.C., and Richmond, Virginia. And I'm 61 years old, so I've been around a long time. And I got to tell you, Bloomington is one of the worst places I've ever experienced traffic in. And I will tell you, when I moved here, I was so excited to move to a quote-unquote small town because I didn't think I'd have to deal with traffic. And I'm, like, kind of shocked at how bad it is and the parking and everything else. So you guys definitely have a... Oh, no. You're still...
1: Still there, Barb, but.
5: Okay, Barb, can you still hear us?
1: Barb, you still there?
9: I'm here. Okay,
1: no. yeah. <laughs> a, little tec- a little technical difficulty, oh, but no, uh, go
9: I'm sorry, I apologize. No, no,
1: no, go ahead. Go ahead.
9: Um, so, definitely, you guys, you know, as a fresh perspective, I'm sure you'd be like, oh, what does she know? She's brand new, kind of thing, but. There's definitely a huge problem here, and um, I, as far as uh, a couple things, um, you guys, you know, talk about bike lanes, which I believe are important. Um, my idea, since I drive, you know, for IU bus and I'm on the roads all the time, is to expand the sidewalks as opposed to the street to get as many people and pedestrians with scooters bikes and walking off the street because it's so dangerous when those scooters are on the on the road
10: mm-hmm.
9: um, but you guys have a lot of, of challenge in front of you <laughs> and
1: uh, <laughs> can I can I ask did you drive um, in these other communities did you drive a you're an IU bus driver now so oh, you,
9: no I no. didn't I okay. just drove cars constantly gotcha. and, and and whatnot Um but I will say that um on tenth street going from Woodlawn, I believe it is, to um Jordan.
1: Jordan. Yeah. Jordan. I'm not
9: mm-hmm. kidding you. At five o'clock or five fifteen, it's taken me anywhere from twenty minutes to thirty minutes to go um point two or point three miles. That's ludicrous.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> gotcha. All right. I well, mean, We'll yeah. see if we can get some comments from our, our panelists. Thank you, Barb. Thank you. Steve, you want to weigh in on that?
4: I, I, I uh, got disconnected briefly, so I only heard part oh, of it. Oh, that was you. Okay. was <laughs> <laughs> my, my fault. Uh, okay. But, uh, anyway, as far as 10th Street goes, um, that's a, a hot topic of conversation, and I think that—
1: and That's in um, your district, right?
4: We, uh. Part of it is, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm certainly concerned about it, but, uh, you know, there's we have to find a solution there because there is a, a bottleneck. Um, it doesn't help that there's no connectivity. Uh, there's, there's little connectivity because it's going past campus, which has, you know, very few roads going through it. Um, but uh, I know, I'm, I'm sure that uh, the city staff with me here today can talk about, um, you know, what we're thinking about alternatives uh, like, Uh, closing the road to traffic uh, during the work day except for buses uh, using alternate routes around it Um, we we have to find some way to uh, unbottleneck that that street
9: Can I give you a suggestion? This is Barb again Am I still on? Yes you Mm -hmm. are Okay, the only one and only thing you need to do is put a walkway from the library to the other side to Kelly the only thing that's bottlenecking that area around 12 o'clock, 5 o'clock, anytime is the students walking back and forth because there's a there's a uh, crosswalk there, and it's not you know doesn't have a little hand on it, so the students literally cross at any time, any and that is exactly what bottleneck that up. If you had if those students couldn't walk across that street there it would be perfectly fine i promise well
4: I, I would push back on that just a little bit and say uh you know the who which traffic should have priority clearly we're giving the foot traffic priority is it different because they're students and somehow they i mean should we be separating traffic like that um, well, you know is, I, is I know they, it well, sounds crazy to the people who are driving in cars but i mean they have no a right priority to the road, though too. if you
9: have a crosswalk they still have priority. They're just having to go up and over as opposed to through. So they're still yeah, being true. able to, you know, go about their business and, to be honest with you, probably safer, too, because a lot of, you know, p- these kids you just walk in front of cars and buses thinking, oh, well, it's my, you know, I have the right away, so
4: Those kids, by was, the way, are adults who can vote. By the way, and uh, <laughs> I just want to make sure we're yeah. making the road safe mean? for everybody, not just for cars.
1: Right. <laughs> All right, we're gonna, Barb. We're gonna move ahead. We've got uh, oh, three sorry. other. Okay. No, no, no problem. We have three other callers. We appreciate your call. All right, we're gonna go next to Gracia. Gracia.
9: Hi. I I have a actually I emailed Steve about this concern and and I'm still not clear about it. There are a couple things I really support. Having less cars in Bloomington, all the way. Whatever we can do, I support it. However,
4: encouraged today,
9: I do have a concern about how we're working with the county because we have many people who work, who live in the county and work downtown. How are we going to limit? their cars what are we doing what can be done i guess is the question about busing them in whatever we if we're trying to eliminate parking and reduce cars in the city how do we address their need to be working because they support us when they work especially if they work downtown Um, and then i also understand and i'm not totally clear about this But there's something about the way the city can expand bus routes. And those bus routes, those buses, I take the bus. It's often low-income people who don't have cars. They can't afford a bike. Mm -hmm. They can't afford the scooter or wouldn't want to get on one. So what is the issue with that, and how do we address those folks and and their need to have better – excuse me, bus routes. So those are my two questions.
2: Patrick, let's go with you. Okay, I can answer both questions, actually. Uh, The first question uh, regarding the bus routes for Bloomington Transit. Bloomington Transit is currently undergoing a route optimization study. This is a top-to-the-bottom examination of all of their routes, where people get on, where they get off, where they're going to and from, and all of that. And they actually have uh, public meetings coming up here at the end of the month a series of public meetings where they want public comment on the route optimization. And and this is intended to make the route system more responsive to what rider needs are right now. That's one thing. And then the second part of your question here on Bloomington Transit's routes uh, or expansion, Bloomington Transit is limited by state statute to operating only within the city of Bloomington. Because they're a public transportation corporation. The only way they could expand out to the county is if it were to become a countywide public transportation corporation, and that would take a legislative initiative from the Indiana General Assembly.
1: Would there okay. have to be a referendum of any kind, or, or could the legislature just say we're going to create this district? This-
2: I would think that the people or, the voters would want a referendum
1: or or county council like with oh, yes. the oh, yes, like yes, with yes, the yes, uh, yes. yeah okay
2: yeah I, I i wouldn't see an imposition of a, of a new public transportation corporation unless there was public support for that mm-hmm. okay mm. all right so so
9: but that sort of addresses the issue of what we do when we you know have less parking spaces and we and we're limited by bus routes for people driving into the city to work how if we you know what how is the city working with the county to or somebody to to work with those import employees who work do
2: you understand my question? Yeah, yes, yeah. I, I, and and that's Bloomington Transit again. Uh, Bloomington I Transit see. is. Okay, it, All yeah, right. I see. Yeah, it's okay. not the city. It's Bloomington Transit is is trying to work, uh, work oh, out, okay. Okay. work out optimization. Yeah, mm-hmm. Bloomington Transit is separate from the city. They're their own corporation, but they they are working to optimize the routes. Number one, so that they can attract more people from the county. And then, number two, they have an initiative, had an initiative for a number of years of expanding service out into the county, but they're precluded from doing that until the Indiana General Assembly makes that approval. Okay. Now, you do have another option out there, which is rural transit, and mm. rural transit has has service that comes into the city of Bloomington and comes into the downtown transfer center for Bloomington Transit. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there there's an option there for you.
9: Okay. Well, I live in the city, and but I work with people who don't, and mm-hmm. that, that and so. But anyway, thank you so much for clearing that.
2: Sure.
1: All right. All, all right, that Gracia. Me. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thanks a lot for the call. All right. I think Judy is next up. Judy.
6: Thank you so much. I've lived in Washington for 55 years,
9: and I've been really happy here. But after listening to this program today, I'm feeling that those of us who no longer can bike and have difficulty walking and can't even manage long distances to a bus stop are not welcome, especially downtown. You want a place where people can bike, where you want to get rid of cars. What about Bloomington as an oasis for older people? You seem to have completely left that out of your discussion.
3: Well, I...
1: Yeah. Oh. Mallory, why don't you go first and Steve?
3: Yeah. So, um, you know, it, in response to Judy, uh, you know, um, Judy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I, agree. I think that I think that um, that be, so I'm going to talk again about these 60 percent of people. So I'm not saying all drivers need to be free of cars like that's not the intent because certainly not everyone lives the experience that allows them that privilege in their life. And so what I'm talking about is taking people who are interested people. who, who want to engage in that behavior and enabling them to do so both safely and comfortably in a way that allows them that same level of activity and community connection to the downtown area, and that's what what I hear as as you wanting and your fears, and those are are totally legitimate fears, and I'm thinking that this isn't. This isn't a um, either-or conversation. It's a both end, and and it, we can accommodate the cyclist, we can accommodate the pedestrian, and we can accommodate the person who needs to use a car. Um, it's just how do we use our resources more efficiently, and how do we help enable people who are who are are ready and and willing and and who you know have to or want to use like more. Um, you know, accessible bikes and, and things of that nature.
1: All right, Steve, did you, I, you want to weigh
4: in? Yeah, I did. I mean, the the hard truth that not enough people want to confront is that it all comes down to what are you going to do with your car once you brought it downtown when there's limited space to put it. Uh, Bob, I told you this would happen. It all comes down <laughs> to parking. Yeah. question of how much, you know, and the, the issue about parking is you can have cheap parking or you can have convenient parking. But you can have both. And so we have to figure out how to allocate parking so that the maximum benefit can come to the most people for it. But that means that you may be paying more for the most desirable parking uh, and less for parking that's farther away so that you can get down, downtown to work or whatever. We're talking about the, the, the management of demand for transportation. They call it TDM for short, Transportation Demand Management in the trade. I'm sure that Pat and Mallory are familiar oh, yeah. with the term. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I love it. Whether it's I mean, just one example, the garages that we're talking about building, brand new over the course of, say, 50 years that they might last, each space in those new garages will cost more than $150 a month for every month of 50 years to own. You know, Our total cost of ownership will be that great. Right now we're charging maybe half that for a monthly mm-hmm. permit so people who are parking in those new garages are going to benefit a great deal from a subsidy that we're and you know this goes to uh daniel calling earlier about uh, how we're, we're putting money into the things that are raising the temperature of the planet if we were charging what it actually costs that garage i think people would make uh, different choices about transportation uh, we're not that i'm saying that we should charge the full cost right now but it's we. I mean, I'm here to be the bearer of bad tidings. We have to think hard of how much it costs us to move ourselves around.
5: We got a question about the parking garage. So I just want to ask you, Steve, while we're on the topic. But this person mm-hmm. says... I know the city council is, again, considering a brand-new parking garage on 4th Street at $18.4 million. That's a major price tag, especially since they just voted to build a trades district garage. Should we really be devoting more than $30 million to parking garages? I urge the council to reconsider the trades garage. Let's build only one new garage and see how that goes. Just what do you think about that, Steve?
4: Uh, I have a lot of opinions. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna to try to limit them just to a few. Um, I agree with the sentiment. I think that um I mean but I ultimately I think that pricing is what will make the difference. I would be okay with building however many garages people wanted to as long as the people using it were paying the total cost of it. Mm-hmm. And until that happens I have trouble supporting new garages when we could be building almost anything else. The parking is the lowest and the worst use of land that you could You know, you could build anything else on it would be more, have more utility for the public. So uh, as far as 4th Street goes, I think there's going to be an inevitable construction of some parking down there, thanks to the uh, forthcoming convention center. Uh, But I voted to repair the existing garage because it would buy us time to figure out what is a better strategy for transportation demand management uh, around the courthouse square. So I'm not thrilled about the fact that we're reopening this question. I've been out of town for the several weeks and have not really taken part in this new, um, the reopening of this question, but that's why I voted to repair the garage and not replace it also because the garage will be open sooner. It could be, if we do repair it, it'll be open the end of the summer instead of 18 months from now. And people could get back to, uh, parking as they, they had been. So, that's
1: just a few. Yeah, a few thoughts. and there's a, there's another part of this email that that I, I wanted to ask about because this emailer also mentioned uh, that that she would really love to see a downtown shuttle going from the sample gates to parking to the various parking garages around the downtown. Is that a an idea that has any legs, Patrick? You're kind of nodding I your head. So. Yeah,
2: it's an idea that I know has been in discussion. The, the problem is the cost. You know, who is it the downtown merchants who subsidize that cost, or is that Bloomington Transit that subsidizes the cost? Uh, and the idea here on, on this, too, is you could use an electric bus or something of that nature. You could so you, you use something smaller in terms of a shuttle.
4: Mm-hmm. I would say that the answer there is once again parking. Right now, we're charging a dollar an hour for parking, and there are still many blocks of downtown Bloomington where mm-hmm. you can't get parking to save your life. Um, we should right. put uh, a shuttle that runs yeah. two and a half to three miles at a time in a 20 minute circuit. We can do a couple of those for between half a million and three quarters of a million dollars. I believe very firmly that if we charged more appropriate prices for parking, uh, we could fund that uh, overnight.
10: Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah. Right, we're going to go back to the phones. We've had Derek, who's been holding for quite a long time, and I appreciate your patience, Derek. Go ahead.
6: Thanks okay I've been enjoying the discussion but it seems the panel is under the illusion that we're in a heliocentric universe only instead of the Sun they think that downtown is the center of the universe and it's not you have what's called town centers developing on the west already developed on the west and east side and you don't most people who are not students don't go downtown they don't need to because everything you have is at the town center let's say the east side where I live everything's here uh, Goodwill, uh, Dollar Store, uh, Restore, uh, Excellent Local and National Food Chains. Um, it's all here. There's no reason to go downtown. The only reason is high priced craft beers and long uh, shops and tattoo parlors. This, it's a student enclave, and the town built it like that. All the people, residents, 99% are students. And to prove my point, go downtown right now. Nobody's there. It's dead. So, I think the city ought to encourage the use of people to stay in their town centers where you can easily bike or walk to, like, Fresh Time or Blooming Foods or something like that, if you live in that area. Whereas downtown is much more of a hassle. And so, I think they ought to emphasize the town centers. And heck, why even build a garage? Make that a park. And that would help people to stay. In a local area, and Christopher Alexander talks about that. And small downtown centers of about four thousand people are the most sustainable. Uh, the other thing is, if you really want to slow down traffic, do a mix like uh, just look at a street scene in Mumbai, and let everybody in the street, mm-hmm. and that means uh, rickshaws, yeah. uh, cows, whatever, and <laughs> watch how slow the traffic. is. There. So seriously, it sounds like a joke, but traffic does move slow when everybody's in the street. That means pedestrians, I'm rea- bikers.
4: I'm raising my hands <laughs> in the air. Yes,
6: I agree. <laughs> yeah. So, it does stop it down. And I've been in situations like that. And you do go slower, and everybody's there. And that inc- it would increase sidewalks for cafe use. But anyway, that's my point, is that uh, I'd like to see if they address that, that stop living in the uni- universe of the downtown is everything. It's not. Mm. The people who live downtown need to go outside the downtown to buy anything.
1: Derek, I I think... very few
6: clothing stores, very few big shopping marts. You know, if they just go to... uh, the bars, that's fine. They're all all over the place.
1: you made, you've made anyway, s- that's my, yeah,
6: comment there. Yeah,
1: you've made some great points. You can also buy a high priced craft beer on the east side, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: and we have a wonderful Ma- craft beer culture in Bloomington, I would like to point that out as well.
1: Mallory, go the, ahead. The
3: one point about moving across
5: the city, though, and not just downtown is right. something we really haven't talked about
3: much. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Um you know, I think um you know as far as um I, ju- I just want to say I disagree with the premise that it's super simple to walk across 3rd Street I think there there I um You know from my i've only been in this job for five weeks now and i i do get a volume of calls and yes this is anecdotal but it's saying i live on the east side and i am terrified to cross third street or i am terrible or it's it's terrifying to walk on third street when people are turning right and they're not looking looking for me as a pedestrian and so i think yes there there's lots of opportunity in that area the the difference is is that the downtown was created at a time when walkability was the center and the focus for planning, and when we saw the expansion uh, within the past fifty years, that's when things became more auto centric. And so um, it's it's more of a this is the resources that we have and this is how we can cater to it, versus you know this is this is something that is also important that we have to compromise, but. Or there's something that's also important that we have to um, we have to work and develop and um, and so you know that kind of falls uh, you know that that becomes something that is part of the conversation but it's a much larger conversation it's a much more systemic um, response that is needed.
1: Steve Volan, you you on the city council and the other city council members have pushed plans that would have. Small neighborhood centers around the community too, right?
4: Yeah, sure, but I mean they're not the, the east side is so auto-centric. What Mallory said is true. Like, who does the collar really uh, easily walk to Fresh Time? None uh, of the thing on that side of town is designed around walking at all. Uh, certainly, in that didn't design the intersection of Third and College Mall to be walked. It's a giant uh, auto intersection. I mean, I would turn to the city of Pittsburgh, which has done a really amazing thing. It has created a Department of Mobility and Infrastructure, and they have five goals that are worth quoting, just verbatim, because they're easy to understand. And the third one goes to Mallory's point. Their goals are that, one, no one will die or is be seriously injured traveling on city streets, that every household in the city can access fresh fruits and vegetables within a 20-minute uh, walk of home without the requirement of a private vehicle. The third one, that all trips less than one mile are easily and enjoyably achieved by non-vehicle travel. Uh, the fourth, that streets and intersections be intuitively navigated by an adolescent. And finally, that the combined cost of transportation, housing, and energy does not exceed 45% of household income for any income group. It's a mighty ambitious set of goals, but they're so eloquent that I think that the kind of thing that any city should try to adopt as its goals, not just for mobility and infrastructure, but for, you know, all comprehensive planning. And I think if we could reach that goal, that, uh, you know, we would find that the town centers that the caller described on the east and west side wind up looking a lot more like downtown for the reasons Mallory said.
1: All right. Just quickly, Wendy called to remind us that the downtown is a vital cultural area also. Hmm. Yes. Okay. They're
4: not... Oh. Gone during spring break. There's professors and staff. A lot of people are gone during spring break, not just students.
1: All right. One quick, uh, another quick phone call. Anthony has been on the line for a long time too. Anthony.
10: Hey everyone. Hey. Um, uh, love the conversation. Um, my my question. I I, I I'm an engineer. Um, so I have a quite a technical mind. So. My question is, you know, as I I've been in town for twenty two years, I I live on the east side and work on the west side at, at Cook Cook Medical. Um, it, are, are there active engineer traffic engineers that are looking at the timing, et cetera, of the of the stoplights because they seem to be so out of sync now, and over over a period of time you know you know half a second or a quarter of a second really seem to add up and you have these situations where you know the, the, the difficulty in Bloomington is is going east to west and so well, how active or, or are there people actively looking at that situation
1: um, that's my question thank you All very right. much Patrick we have about a minute to go the
2: answer is yes. <laughs> uh, City of Bloomington has programmed a project uh, which will begin shortly on signal optimization, and that's looking at all of the signals the City of Bloomington controls and optimizing those in some sort of a model of some type, and then this would be done in conjunction with the Indiana Department of Transportation. I don't know if they're connected together by fiber optic or not, but, but the, op- the objective here is to make sure that they're all synchronized in such a manner that it optimizes the flow of traffic, minimizes disruption of, uh, well... Spewing out of carbon gases.
5: Before we go, can you can you tell us when does this public comment period end? When people can give feedback on the plan? There was a lot we couldn't get to
2: today. Oh, I'm sorry. The public comment period began on uh, February 25th and it ends on uh, I think the 26th, 27th. It is supposed to end on the 25th of March, but uh, we gave an extra two days to everybody to comment.
1: And that's the transportation improvement program, Correct. and it can people can comment on the city's website.
2: Yes, on the city's website, we have a Google Doc where you can load, download the Google Doc and make comments on that. Oh, don't even download. You can make it active, for that matter. Or you can send us... Emails, and you can download the document to, it itself, too, for viewing.
1: All right. Thanks. Uh, we wanna, we're want we out of time. This rivaled a rival to garden show for the, the number <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. We have a garden show? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I want to thank our guests, Patrick Martin, Mallory Rickbile, and Steve Volen For Sarah Whitmire, Patrick McGurr, and Mike Paschkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening.
0: Noon Edition is a production of WFIU Public Radio. A podcast of this program and other WFIU programs is available at wfiu.org. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville, fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from The Herald-Times, Featuring coverage of local news, entertainment, and sports in print at heraldtimesonline.com and on your mobile device.